Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. So Father, the words of that song are the words of our heart. It's our prayer. Bind us together. Bind us together. In this season of election, of COVID, so much that uh, could tear us apart. Jesus, you are the great uniter. And I pray that your love would bind us together. We want more grace. We need more mercy. And so we pray for it now. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Oh God, amen. Good morning, Ocean Hills. We are in this series that I'm so excited about. I do want to say thank you to Jono. What a great word he gave at Church at the Beach. And then again last week to launch this new series. Um, Let me just make a quick comment. I just want to congratulate you Dodger fans. I'm not a Dodger fan. I'm a Giants fan. But I, you guys won the World Series. And so I want to give you a high five. And I want to just make a note, you know, This week, right now, some of you have enjoyed watching the replay of Game 6. And you know what's fun about watching the replay when your team has won? You can go through those tense tense moments of a game when the pitcher of Tampa Bay was throwing, what, a one-hitter in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth. He was into the sixth inning shutting down the Dodgers. And Dodger fans, I know you were kind of nervous, but you rewatch and replay that now, you can live with that tension, with that adversity, because you know how the game and the series ends. And so you can sit there and watch and not be like, oh man, I'm, I'm really uptight about this, because you know that that pitcher got pulled, they brought in the reliever and he got shelled and you guys won the game and won the World Series. It's a great example for us right now in this moment. Whatever happens on Tuesday in this election, followers of Jesus, we know how this story ends. Jesus wins. I read the the book of Revelation. I've read the Bible, the last pages. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so we can celebrate. I know we're nervous, we're tense. But let's put it in the big scope of things. At the end of the day, our hope is not in the government. Our hope is in our good and gracious God, Jesus Christ. So let's launch into this series. We're talking about the visitor center, getting out of the visitor center. And a reminder that when you go to a national park, the visitor center is the place where you begin. It's your orientation. You kind of find out information about trails and and uh, lakes and waterfalls and where you're supposed to go to have the greatest experience of the park. Church on Sunday, when we gather, is like a visitor center. It's to orient you to living your life, how you follow Jesus at home, at work, with extended family, in marriage, all of that. The point of Sunday 
is to recharge your spiritual batteries to get you grounded in the word of God so that you can then go out like into the national park and really experience life to the fullest. And so in this series, really after doing over 35 years of research, grabbing some of the Willow Creek research and Andy Stanley's research and Fuller Seminary's research on how is it that people grow spiritually, I took all of that as well as my own experience and and, uh, insights from my pastor's roundtable And there are seven catalysts that help you and I grow spiritually. And that's what this series is all about. Jono launched the series last week with the word rhythms, sacred spiritual rhythms, practices that we do on a regular basis that help us receive God's love, that help us to hear God's voice, that help us to connect deeply in our faith with God and with one another. And so the second R, every every week we got an R word. This week it's relationships. Relationships are a primary catalyst for how people grow and become more like Jesus. I mean, just do a survey of your own life. The people that God has put into your life, has surrounded you with, people in your small group, people that have mentored you. Maybe it's your own kids. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it's friendships. I don't know. But God uses people. God uses relationships to accomplish his purposes to help us become more like him. I got a a quote I want to begin with this morning from a guy. He's a pastor in Cincinnati. I uh, I started following him, and, and it was because of this quote. Brian Tome, he writes this. If there is one discipline... We could also use the word spiritual practice or spiritual rhythm. If there's one that I could magically bestow upon you, it wouldn't be the ability to read and comprehend the Bible daily. It wouldn't be the yearning to spend time every day on your knees in prayer. It would be the ability to choose and develop the right friendships. I read that and I went, what? Wait a minute, choosing, developing the right friend, that's not a spiritual practice. That was my first response, like that that doesn't count. And then I started thinking about, yeah, that's huge. Who you choose to develop friendship with and, and surround yourself with will impact your faith and your life greatly. Whether you become more or less like Jesus Christ will depend greatly on who you decide and choose to spend time with and let into your life. Scott McKnight, a New Testament scholar, great author, I love this quote. He says, but spiritual formation, now that word or that phrase, spiritual formation, another way, that's an academic way of saying becoming like Jesus, being formed into the person of Jesus. Spiritual formation is more than personal enrichment. New Testament spiritual formation is about cultivating the virtues that are almost entirely wrapped up in relationships with one another. The fruit of the Spirit, for instance, doesn't exist except in relationship with others. Man, just soak in that, just stay in that. 
So powerful. What's the point? God uses relationships in our lives to make us more like Him. Have you ever wondered why the Bible, the New Testament, is filled with one another commands? I mean, it's love one another, bear with one another, serve one another, forgive one another, live in harmony with one another. Why? Because we, you and me, all of us were created to love and be loved, to know and be known, to support and be supported, to celebrate and be celebrated, to forgive and be forgiven. And so God uses relationships. This morning, three relationships I want to zero in on. Three relationships that can help you become more like Jesus. Three relationships that God uses to make me, to make you more like Jesus. Let's jump into them. Number one is our marriage and family relationships, our marriage and family relationships. Gary Thomas has written several books on marriage, family. Great quote. This is going to challenge you. Somebody's going to get kicked in the teeth this morning in a good way. Listen to this quote. What if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? This is the reality of the human heart, the inevitability of two imperfect people pledging to live together with all their faults for the rest of their lives. What if your spouse's faults are God's tools to shape you? What if the very thing that most bugs you about your husband or wife constitutes God's plan to teach you something new, to make you more like Jesus. Marriage and family requires sacrifice, when I'd rather just be comfortable. It requires serving my wife, my family, my extended family, when I would rather be served and be selfish. It requires compromise when I'd rather have it my way. It requires acceptance when I'd rather fix you or her or him or them. And so it's no secret if you're married, you married into an extended family. You have in-laws. Some people call them outlaws. I don't know what you call yours, but uh, you also have siblings and your siblings' spouses. This whole extended family thing, it's real. And here's the deal. In marriage and in family, over the years, you are going to go through seasons in which you have to learn to love a person who you didn't marry who is something of a stranger to you. Kind of like when Jacob thought he was marrying Rachel, and then he woke up to Leah. <laughs> you remember that story in Genesis? And I want you to know this morning that God uses marriage, and God uses family to help you, help me, help us become 
more like him. And that means you're going to have to make changes that you don't want to make. But so will the person you're married to and the family you married into. They have to adjust to you. They have to make changes to accommodate you and who you are and vice versa. And that grows us. That's loving. Jesus said in John 15, verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Laying down your life, this is the greatest act of love. You see, Jesus is not interested in making you more religious, in Christianizing your life. He's interested in crucifying your selfish life, laying down your life for the sake of others. And no other arena in your life then family and marriage will do that. God will use your marriage and family to make you more like him. Are you listening spiritually? Are you asking God, God, how do you want me to grow in my love for my family? Where do you want me to sacrifice? Where do you want me to lay down my rights, my life, for the sake of their well-being? Here's the second relationship. It's that God uses. And of course, God uses any kind of relationship, but we're focusing on three. So marriage and family, number one. Number two is your church family relationships. That's the second kind of area God uses to make you more like Jesus. Churches, what we might call your chosen family, faith, friends, fun, it's all good until it's not. And it gets messy and that's real and that happens. But the church is designed to be a family that we're committed as brothers and sisters. That's the New Testament language. And we're committed to imitating God's by loving each other and sacrificing for each other. That's Ephesians 5. But you know, what is and seems so simple and clear isn't always easy to execute. And so, in fact, I would say... It's impossible. It's impossible for me to live that way without generous amounts of God's grace being unleashed in my heart and life, poured into me on a daily basis. And you know why? Because loved people love people. And forgiven people forgive people. And so when I'm receiving God's love, when I'm part of a faith community in a church and you're helping me learn how I can receive God's love and seeing myself as a child of God who is his beloved child and son, when I feel loved, I love better. When I know I'm forgiven, I'm freed up to forgive. And so the church, we strengthen each other. We spur one another on to love and good deeds. But our capacity to do that is completely dependent on the grace of God being poured into us. And so that's where going back to Jono's talk last week on spiritual rhythms. Spiritual rhythms are all about receiving love so we can love hearing God's voice so we can become people of peace, receiving forgiveness so we can forgive others. Here's some verses I want you to think about. Galatians 6, 9, and 10. 
we read this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Paul writes this, and, and I read that and I went, wow, people must have been getting tired of doing what is good. And maybe right now in COVID, you're kind of getting tired of doing, but of doing what is good. And, and, and God's word saying, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Some of you feel like giving up right now. Hear God's word to you this morning. You're going to reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. And then look at it says, therefore, whenever... We have the opportunity. We should do good to everyone. And then there's this little phrase, especially to those in the family of faith. God has given you and me a church family, and we are to do good. We are to help each other and support each other and love each other. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said it this way. If you only love those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. Wow, that phrase jumped out at me. How are you different? Different doesn't mean creepy or weirdo or always right. It means different means more like Jesus, more generous and kind and forgiving and compassionate. In John 13, to his disciples, to that little church family, that little huddle, Jesus said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you, so you should love each other. That's, read the red, man, that's right there, black and white. That is the call of Jesus on the church. We are to love each other with agape, self-sacrificing love. God will use your church if you don't quit. God will use your church if you don't give up. God will use your church family, people in our church, to help you become more like Him. He'll use your small group, your move group. He'll use the team you're serving on. He will use this church family to make you more like Jesus. Here's the third. Let me jump into it. This is going to challenge some of you. It challenges me, and it's the third relationship God uses to make us more like Jesus. Adversaries and annoying people. <laughs> Adversaries and annoying people. Do you have any people in your life who are annoying? The neighbor who parks their dirty big truck in the front of your house? The one who's suing you? That teammate who gets on your nerves at work, a boss who's absolutely tough to work for, or that family member who lies, or the one you're going to see this Thanksgiving who every holiday they just diss you and uh, tease you or cut you down and you know you need to forgive them, but you don't want to, right? I'm talking about the ones we enjoy the least and disagree with the most. You know who I'm talking about. And here's what I want you to hear. Here's the point about adversaries and annoying relationships. Every relationship challenge has a purpose, and that purpose is to help you grow and become more like Jesus. That's it. Every relationship challenge, every difficult, annoying uh, adversary in your life, God wants to use that relationship to grow you up 
spiritually and make you more like him. Luke chapter 6, it says, uh, But to you who are willing to listen, underline that. Are you willing to listen? Jesus said that. There must have been people there that weren't listening. Are you willing to listen? He says, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you or oppose you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. And then he goes on to say, do to others as you would like them to do to you. And then, of course, Paul in Ephesians 4, get rid of, he's speaking to the believer, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words. This is so timely for this week. Uh, slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, there's another way to live if you're a Jesus follower. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Hey, big idea here. How does God produce those qualities in your life? How does God grow that Christ-like character in you? He does it this way, by putting you in the exact opposite situation, by putting people in your life that will rub against you to help you grow that fruit of the Spirit in your life. He teaches you, by, he teaches you to love by putting difficult people in your life, family, neighbors, and teamwork. All right, I'm going to close. I mentioned a, a big, dirty truck, blue truck. It's been parked in front of my house, in front of my gate for the last three months. He moves it, or she, I don't know who the owner is. They move it eh, every three weeks. And I'm so tempted to have it towed. I want to just get it out because it's annoying. Talk about annoying people. Never met the owner. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me about it and said, wait a minute, rather than just have it towed and now you're going to have a neighbor, presumably, angry at you, let that blue truck that's annoying you serve as a reminder to be a Luke 6 person. And a Luke 6 person is that passage we read which says, what, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who hurt or annoy you. I mean, whenever I see that truck, it, it's something in me like, Ugh! you know, and I'm like, it reminds me, okay, Lord. And I pray for people in my life that are difficult for me, that annoy me, people that maybe are opposing me or against me. So I've used that as a symbol to help me become more like Jesus. Who in your life has God put in your life to grow you? That difficult person, annoying person. There's a reason God put them in your life. Hey, church family, we have created a moment for you now to do some work, interior work, through silence and reflection. We will put on the screen questions and a meditation just to reflect and do the inner work. Invite God to speak to you now. Is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. He's bigger and better than you think. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.